Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface and to hold space for meaningful conversations. We're going to talk about life and love and basically everything in between. This is a place where done is better than perfect, where quality triumphs quantity, and where you can really just come as you are. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it, y'all? Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have fun too. Scout's honor. I promise you this. I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, you are so welcome. And before we get started, pause and make sure you're subscribed to the Refine Collective podcast on iTunes so that each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And if you're an old friend, um, welcome back. Hi there. I already know you're all subscribed and good to go. But would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be incredibly grateful for that. Now, I used to feel like all weird and awkward about asking you to do this, but then I listened to Oprah's podcast and even she asks her listeners to do it. In the podcast world, those subscribes and ratings and reviews really, really help us. So thank you in advance. You are the best. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, find me on Instagram at The Refined Woman or my podcast specific account at The Refined Collective and send me a message. I would absolutely love to hear from you. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. Did you know that the wellness industry is currently worth $4.2 trillion? Y'all, trillion not thousands. I thought maybe millions and millions, maybe, maybe like a billion. The wellness industry is worth $4.2 trillion. It is one of the fastest growing industries in the world. And listen, I'm all for wellness. I love wellness. I love learning about how to support my body. I love learning about caring for myself well so that I can love others well. But what in the heck does self-love actually mean? And is it only available to those of us that have lots of extra money on our hands? I think the answer to that question is a big fat H to the no. And today on the podcast, I'm talking with founder of Raw Beauty Talks, Erin. She is such an incredible human being. And we tackled just this. What does self-love actually look like? How can we activate self-love and wellness and mindfulness and mindset without paying a penny. How can we do that? Today in our conversation, we are showing you exactly how. It's practical. Erin also shares her really powerful story. And of course, you know me, I'm not going to pass up an opportunity to bring up Beyonce. So we talk about Beyonce, body positivity, and basically everything in between. So let's get to it. What's up, Erin? Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to connect. And I feel like we should like do a full disclosure moment just so that we can 
just share with everyone how like not together sometimes life is. Like we had, first of all, you're supposed to be, I was supposed to record this on a few days ago. And then I had a photography job pop up and we rescheduled, but then I was supposed to be on your podcast today. And then we're both sitting there, like you're on my link and I'm trying to look for your link and like, but our wires are crossed and oh. we're like, wait, who, who's interviewing who no. today? <laughs> I fully thought that Kat was interviewing me. Really, I was supposed to be interviewing her. And here we are now. She's stepped up to the plate, folks. <laughs> she's you know taking one for the team <laughs> so oh, that like, we can have this combo. Yes, because, you know, you know, we're entrepreneur women and, you know, waste not, want not. I was like, we're going to freaking do this. So I'm excited to just have a really good conversation with you about your business, Rob Beauty Talks, about your story. And I just want to talk with you about like all the things. Um, so before we like jump into your story, I thought we'd kick it off by talking about Beyonce's new line with Ivy Park for Adidas. Did you see any of that when it launched recently? Oh, yeah. I mean, really, okay. how could you miss it? Because I feel like every single celebrity that I follow is wearing the stuff and popping out of these giant orange boxes and yes. all the things. Yeah. She kind of killed it on the marketing. She's just, she's brilliant. There was in my friend's building, an orange Ivy park box, like sent, and it was, it said like love Beyonce on it. And my friend sent me a picture of it and it was like waist high. I was like, steal it, take it. <laughs> this is ours. Like God wanted us to take this and she wouldn't. Um, I mean, it would be super discreet her running down the streets of New York with a giant Ivy Park box. Who was friends with Beyonce? Um, But she actually got a lot of slack from people for her sizes not going up to like not having unlimited sizing. Mm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Beyonce is more voluptuous than she's ever been post um, the twins, Yeah, which I'm just loving how much she's embracing her like mother, her new figure, you know, I don't know how to say it. I think she's killing it. She looks amazing, but she got a lot of slack from not having sizes up to like 20, 22, 24 And I saw one video on like, I went on a rabbit hole on it because I'm like, oh man, people are hating on Beyonce. What's happening? (laughs) And I saw this one video from a girl who was like, listen, I'm all about the body positivity movement, but she's like, this is an athletic brand. And she said, you know, probably if you're a size 28, you're probably not working out as much. So is it worth the financial investment for Beyonce to be politically correct to spend all this extra money offering clothes in a size that most likely aren't going to be worn for athletics. Mm. And I just wanted to hear what you thought about that. You know what? I, first of all, think the first thought that came to mind is it's very hard for us to define who is exercising and who Mm. is not exercising and at what size you get started. And should the people who are the size, you know, 24 um, plus not have athletic clothing to work out in if they want or to go for that walk in or to feel amazing in or to lounge around in their house? Because Lord knows everyone who is wearing athletic wear is not working out in their athletic wear, right? I mean, how many times have you worn your leggings when you weren't working out? 
I'm raising my hand over here. Yeah. Like every day. (laughs) Right. So I feel like that's a tricky um, line to toe in regards to while they're probably not working out. I know a lot of people from, you know, my work and uh, the industry who are very curvy women who are working out more than I am and who are eating well. And you cannot tell what healthy, um, you cannot tell what, what healthy, uh, is from the outside package. You just can't. So I think that often we want to label or make assumptions. I mean, I think one of the most inspiring people or inspiring things is when I see somebody who is a lot curvier and they're like on a road bike or they're on the treadmill. And I'm like, you get it. Like you are out here doing your thing. I don't care if you're trying to lose weight or not lose weight, but you're exercising and moving your body. And this is a beautiful thing that should be celebrated. And there should be clothes that are awesome and beautiful that are available to you. Mm -hmm. Now, at the end of the day, Beyonce is a businesswoman and she stands for a lot of things, but she has teams that are running these businesses that are looking at numbers that are figuring out um, who's going to be buying and what they need to be making. And so they're going to make business decisions. And maybe that market isn't big enough for right now, or that's not where they wanted to start. But what I think is cool about this is that there's so much conversation around it. I don't think people need to be pulling Beyonce down. Um, I'm much more about talking to one another from a place of curiosity and compassion to teach one another what it is that we want and to ask for that. Um, I do think that the amazing thing about social media is that we have a voice now. So if curvier women are like, we want to wear Ivy Park, then tell Beyonce, tell her team, use social media, like post about it, let them know why you want to wear it. And I can pretty much bet that next season or a few seasons down the road, because fashion it's a long runway to get the clothes out into production, um, that that stuff starts to show up. That's the power that we have right now. So that's my take on it. Yeah. I think that's a really, it's a really good perspective. And just, just to be clear that the sizes that are from Ivy Park, I did a little, I did a little quick little Wikipedia search, Mm -hmm. um, run from size zero to 18, which I would think that's a pretty, that's a, it's a pretty diverse range of sizes. Um, but I do think that you're, you're right. in 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 the sense of, you know, we get to use our voice and the conversation is being had. We're having the conversation about it on the podcast. And I think that's part of what's beautiful about the body positivity movement. Whereas there has been so much shame around what size you are or are not. Now they're is space to have a public dialogue about it. And one of the only profitable sectors of the fashion industry right now is athleisure Mm. or athleisure wear. So if like, if the people are are yelling and wanting something else, like the brands will listen in my opinion. One other thing I just want to say really quickly on this with the women (laughs) that I work with um, as a coach, oftentimes when we aren't feeling our best in our body. Maybe we've gained some weight or we're just, yeah, we haven't been working out. Something I commonly hear from women is I can't go to the gym. People will look at me like I'm too embarrassed to get started. There isn't space for me there. When we look at the fitness world, which is primarily 
white women who are relatively fit in all of the posters. And now there's like a speckling of color that's placed in all advertisements mm-hmm. so that there's diversity, but there's not a lot of body types there. And so we disclude a group of people from even trying to get healthy yeah. because they feel so uncomfortable. So I would love to see brands, yoga studios, exercise gyms, um, all of these places showcasing all types of bodies because we all start on our fitness journey at some point and everyone should feel welcome into these spaces. Um, It's not about the destination. It's about the process of getting in there and raising your heart rate and getting some sweat on your skin and feeling your strength and getting those healthy hormones going. And that should be available to anyone at any size. Yeah. I think that you're so right. And even as you were talking, I, I belong to Equinox and Equinox is like probably the most intimidating gym that I have ever belonged to. Oh my God. I feel like I have to go for a facial before I go into Equinox so that my skin is as glowy as all the girls in there. But I also love it because it's so nice and there's so many options and the classes are hard and good, but it is intimidating. Yeah. They have those eucalyptus towels that are really amazing. They, I joined it because I was spending so much money on boutique classes experiences that were like 35 to 40 bucks a pop. And I was like, I could never afford Equinox. And then my accountant was like, you just spent $400 on workout classes last month. And I was like, (laughs) that is humiliating. I'm going to Equinox and I'm going to make it worth it. But I think, you know, I'm, I would say quote, well, I guess I'm not average size. I am, I'm a size six, which is what is it like below the, the average That's size? Below like, average. It's below average. Yeah. Um, but I can walk into the gym and feel insecure. And because it's it's models, it's everyone's wearing their matching outfits. So I can see how that would just be like feel really demotivating to be mm-hmm. like, wow, like there isn't a space for me. I don't I don't see myself in these spaces. Like, why even start on a health journey? That makes sense. And we need to do better. <laughs> We need to do better, but we're there's so much change in the short time that I've been involved in this conversation in the last six years. It is wild how much change and evolution there's been in regards to what we see in media and from different companies promoting their products and sizes and lines and all these things. There's still so far to go, but we've made some really amazing leaps. And I think that a huge part of that is uh, social media as having an a raised voice, women joining together to say no, or like, that's not me in that advertisement. And so I'm going to not buy from you. I mean, we're seeing Victoria's Secret just uh, did their last fashion show last year. They're not doing it again this year. We're seeing companies like Aerie that are on fire right now. And Mm -hmm. so you can see a shift in the, in the bottom line of companies that are including more diversity in their adverts which is cool. Now let's talk about, so speaking of the online space and social media, I want you to share your story of Rob Beauty Talks, what it is, who you are and how body image has, what that journey for you has been. I would love to. I, my name's Erin. For those of you who haven't (laughs) met me yet, I am a mom of two. I have a four year old and a two year old and an amazing husband. And my life is feeling pretty good right now. Like I'm having a lot of pinch me moments, but oh my goodness, it has been a journey getting here. When I was in high school really is when I think this whole conversation starts. I was a perfectionist. 
I wanted to please my parents and my teachers, and I wanted to, you know, be that perfect student and look perfect and perfection kind of ruled everything that I did. And, and somewhere in that, that search for perfection, um, I lost my way. I lost I lost touch with who I really was. Um, I was 5'11 in, in grade nine, I think, just towering over all the boys. And people always used to say to me like, oh, you'll be a model, you'll be a model, da, 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 da. So somewhere in my head, the seed was planted that I would model. And as I looked in magazines, 17, YM, Glamour, the ones that I got in high school, my mom did not let me have these, but you know, I snuck them in or whatnot. Um, all I saw were these models who looked a very specific way. And mm-hmm. my body type was close to that, but not quite. It wasn't mm-hmm. quite perfect. So I started to um, alter my food based on the information that I was getting in these magazines to lose a little bit of weight. And my you know, naive mind thought that these girls in these magazines had everything. They got to travel. They were famous. They had like these amazing model boyfriends. And when you're in grade 10, this seems like the whole wide world. Insane closets of clothes. Uh-huh. So what started quite innocently um, as an attempt to lose a few pounds and specifically on my hips. I hated my hips and in my dance classes, that would be my focus. Um, very quickly spiraled into a pretty severe eating disorder. And within about nine months, I lost over 45 pounds off of a frame that really had oh no gosh. weight to lose. I was 86 pounds and five foot 11. Um, my internal organs were shutting down. Obviously, I'd lost my period. I was growing hair on my back and my face. My These are all hormonal things that start to happen when your body's shutting down like this. Um, they said that it was very unlikely that I would ever be able to have kids. I was obsessed with what my younger sister, uh, Sarah, was eating, like obsessed. I would sneak out of class, say I had to go to the bathroom. I would go break into her locker to see if she had eaten her lunch for the day. All I could think about was counting calories, Diet Coke. Um, I knew, this is the interesting part, I knew that I was too skinny. I desperately wanted to stop, but it was like this eating disorder voice had taken over my mind. I couldn't get it to shut up. I couldn't stop counting the calories. I, at that point, my dance teachers and a number of family friends had expressed concern. And of course, my parents were very worried. Um, I ended up being admitted into a hospital program. I was so lucky because it was the scariest thing ever to go into that hospital program, but it also gave me my life back. And so I was in there for about three months. It was a wild ride. I often describe it as like, think about the thing that you are most afraid of in life. Often people think about public speaking or dying. For me, the thing that I was most scared about was eating and food. And every day I had to eat X number of calories and gain the weight that I was so scared of gaining. And somewhere in that process, though, I got my own mental capacity back. The eating disorder loosened its grip and I was able to think again clearly and 
to really decide, okay, what do I want to do with my life moving forward? Most people don't get this opportunity when they're 16 years old. Most people don't come that close to death when they are such a young age. And so it was awful. I don't, wouldn't wish it on anybody, but at the same time, it really created the foundation for where I am now and the rest of the journey. So I left the hospital program. I was still, I didn't have a healthy relationship with food by any means. It was still um, definitely used as a coping mechanism for emotions that I was feeling or stress. I don't think at the time we really talked about anxiety. So I don't think I knew that I was an anxious person, but <laughs> spoiler, I was. <laughs> and, um, and you said perfectionism and I yeah. thought anxiety. Yes, exactly. Because I understand. Yeah, <laughs> you, do. It. you do. And so I was out and, you know, living life as a 20 year old on that roller coaster ride of your 20s when you're trying to figure out who are my friends? What is my job? Like, who do I love? <laughs> Thinking I loved all the guys that I dated who were oh, so totally. wrong. And, you know, it's just this like highs and lows was what I would say my early 20s was. Uh, a lot of restricting and then a lot of binge eating at night in secret. I would restrict and restrict and restrict. And then I would eat and eat and eat everything that I could get my hands on. And then I would cry and feel so ashamed and feel so disgusting and feel like I didn't want to leave my apartment. I couldn't... Um, I just didn't have any capacity to put attention into things that would truly bring me happiness because there was still so much focus on my body and food. Um, I eventually met with a life coach just by chance. I didn't even know what that was at the time and decided to do a bit of coaching with her. And I found it was so helpful. I'd done so much therapy at this point and there was never anything like major tragic in my life um, that resulted in the eating disorder. It was just a series of events. What I found helpful about the coaching is that coaching is very forward thinking. It's about defining where you want to be and then moving towards that, aligning your actions and your habits with that. Mm -hmm. And I found that process for me was incredible. It was what truly started to free me from the place that I was in, learning to um, align with my body and to reconnect with my body so that I could achieve this vision for my life that I created. Learning how to align my habits with that was really empowering. And somewhere in that space, I came up with an idea. What if we created a space online that showcased women without makeup, editing, photos, or filters? And we just had real conversations about what it's like to be a woman and confidence and beauty and self-love and all these things that I was craving to talk about. At the time, this wasn't a big thing. Like Dove obviously had done their campaigns, but this was not all over the internet. Mm -hmm. And so it really took off and kind of went viral when we launched it and had, you know, a number of um, women from different professions and different backgrounds and different ages. And that was our original interview series um, that led to over 200 conversations with women about the struggles that we faced. Um, and it taught me so much. I learned so much about women and how similar we all are. Um, and somewhere about two years in, after all these interviews and conversations and 
we got the chance to work with some amazing brands. In the process, I just felt so exhausted by hearing how stuck we felt as women, how insecure we felt, how focused we were on our bodies and these superficial things that weren't making us happy. And I was like, I have to have some tools to help women see their greatness, to help them create a vision for their life that is bigger than their body. I need to be able to give them the tools to help them form habits that align with that and to move their focus from you know, the exact specific foods that they're eating and that wrinkle on their eye to things that are much bigger and much more fulfilling. So I went and did my health coaching training and worked with a body image doctor, with a therapist, with a registered dietitian who works specifically with women who have and struggle with eating disorders. And I created a program called The Shift, which has been running for um, two years now. We've had so many amazing women go through it. And The Shift is designed to help women end the battle with food and their body. And it works. And it's that's sort of, I'm like full circle when I said, I'm in this pinch me moment. Mm. I'm like, it just, it feels really amazing to have the opportunity to take all this crap that I went through and to use it for something good. Yes, absolutely. And it's, it's like your battle cry, like your, your battle cry is this, this journey that you have walked through yourself. And I think myself included, what's my purpose? What's my vision? What's my calling? And I think it can, in a culture where it's like, we have almost limited possibilities of like, chase your dreams and, you know, live your truth, live your best life. Like it can feel like almost debilitating to figure out what's my thing. And I think I wonder if part of that is starting with like, what's my story? What has been my pain? What are the things that I have overcome? And what would it be like if not only I could overcome those things, but if other people could overcome them. And so I, I see that in the work that you're doing, like starting back from all those years ago, it's like pain is never not used at some point, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I just am so grateful that you're doing that work. This episode of the Refined Collective Podcast is brought to you by my very own free guide for single women, six tips to activate your dating life. Raise your hand if dating as a woman of faith in today's swipe right, swipe left culture has ever felt like a total struggle fest. Or maybe being single in our culture today feels overwhelming, lonely, discouraging, frustrating. And maybe if you're being really honest, it can even feel hopeless. Listen, single gal to single gal, I totally get it. But did you know that doing the same thing over and over again while expecting different results is known as the insanity cycle? Friend, it is time to walk into a freeing, exciting, and purpose-filled season of singleness. It's time to activate your dating life. I created a free guide for you, and by free, I mean zero dollars, called Six Tips to Activate Your Dating Life to equip you to shake things up in your season of singleness. You can grab it right now at bit.ly slash TRW dating tips. 
Now you will walk away knowing, number one, the biggest mindset shift that will transform how you show up in your dating life. Number two, I'm going to teach you how to get unstuck in your dating life. And three, I will show you the number one thing you can start doing today that will radically change your season of singleness. And finally, the three things I wish someone would have told me 10 years ago about dating. You don't have to wander around for years like I did, insecure, uncertain, and discouraged about your dating or lack thereof life. So if any of this resonates with you, pause and go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash T-R-W dating tips and grab your free guide. Again, that's bit.ly slash T-R-W dating tips. All right, let's get back to it. Something I'm curious about with you is, you know, you are like your, I love your feed, Raw Beauty Talks is, I, I love your Instagram feed. I love how diverse it is. And I don't, I don't know how else to say this, but you're still kind of like this skinny girl within like a body confidence conversation. Yeah. And I'm curious, like, do you ever feel like a fake because of that? Or do you struggle with do people ever not take you seriously? Because they're like, well, at the end of the day, you're a blonde white girl that is pretty tiny. So you don't really have the right to speak into this. Mm, Yeah, that is really, that's a great question. And I'm so glad that you brought it up because it has absolutely been a struggle for me to find my voice and footing in this conversation where for a long time, I didn't feel like I belonged, to be honest, Mm. which is interesting because you know what? At first, I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think about it. I was like, yeah, my struggle is real. I want to talk about this. I'm creating this space. I want to see more diversity. I want to see more women that I can aspire to be who have wrinkles and who are aging gracefully that aren't photoshopped, basically. It's as simple as that. But as I started having the conversation, comments would be made. And it hasn't been a ton, but it was um, little ones here and there that you take in and it almost plants the seed within you. So I remember the first time I went to meet with this guy who was a coach and somebody who I admired the platform that he'd built and the conversation that he'd started to share my idea for Raw. And he listened to it all and he said, I think it's amazing, but how are you going to tell women to love their body in the body that you have? And I was confused at first because at that time, I still didn't love my body by any means. I still had so much insecurity about so many parts of myself. And so I almost didn't understand completely what he was saying. Um, but as, you know, a couple more people mentioned it here and there, you start to put two and two together and then you start to see the women who are a part of this conversation and whose platforms are growing really quickly. Like Sarah from the Birds Papaya and Arielle Astoria and Jenna Kuchar, amazing women, a different body type than mine. And it started to feel like, hmm, maybe I don't get to talk about this. The other interesting thing is on our platform, from the very beginning, we've shared the bodies, stories, photos, regrams of other women, because the intention was never for this to just be a conversation about me. It's about women in general. When I post a picture of myself on the feed, 
And if you listen to a lot of um, Instagram marketers, they say, post yourself. People want to know the brand, the person behind the brand, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. I will often get 50 likes on a photo of me. Whereas if I post a curvy woman, um, we get over 3,000 and hundreds of comments. So you can imagine the stories that I've told myself about my ability to show up in this conversation. Don't share pictures of yourself. Don't use your voice. You've got to share photos of other people and, you know, stay invisible, stay behind the scenes. About a year ago, I said, F it. I, I have something to say here. This is the body I've been given. I can feed those limiting beliefs and continue to believe them. Or I can believe that God gave me this body, that I am here for a reason. If I look around, there are lots of people who look like me who have a voice on Instagram. So stop it. Show up. Stop caring about the likes. Who gives an F what everyone else is thinking and how they're judging your body or determining what you have to say? Focus on the words that are coming out of your mouth and that's it. And that's what I'm doing right now. And I can't tell you whether or not it's going to work or not work or whether or not people are going to like me, but I'm tired of hiding because of my body. This is the most insane part. The whole part of raw, the whole purpose of raw is to help women feel confident and comfortable in who they are, is to give them space to start living their life, sharing their words, focusing on their dreams, no matter what their body looks like. So who am I to hide behind other women's bodies? And to hide my voice because it's not getting as many likes because somebody decided that I don't get to be part of this. Uh-huh. I am, as I said, I am on the journey right now. You'll see if you look on my feed, I'm starting to show up. You'll see my photos don't get nearly as much response or likes. I don't care anymore. I don't mm-hmm. care because somewhere out there, one or two people are reading that message and I hope it hits home. Here's the other thing that's important to note. Just because you have a specific body type, maybe one that marketing and media and advertising companies say you need to have in order to find happiness and love, does not mean that you have happiness or love. Mm-hmm. In fact, in the interviews that I did, with, you know, now it's probably closer to 500 plus women. It's often the women who are most stereotypically beautiful Mm -hmm. that struggle the most with insecurity. And I found this so fascinating. And when I started to dig a little bit deeper and talk to professionals about this, where we've kind of landed with this is that often those people from a very young age have been told that they're beautiful. They've received jobs because they're beautiful. Their relationships are often, you know, initially based on this superficial level of attraction. They've received things because they're beautiful. And as they get older and feel that slipping, not that we actually are less beautiful as we age, but society tells us that we are, it becomes a huge insecurity. Whereas other women and girls who maybe don't necessarily fit that stereotypical level of beauty, often from a young age, start to lean on other skills that they have to connect with people, to uh, find a sense of belonging. And in building those skills that aren't necessarily tied to our beauty, we find a different kind of strength. We're not so attached to the way that we look. Mm -hmm. So part of my message is that we have to start building the happiness, the love, um, 
the self-compassion from the inside. It doesn't arrive when you hit a certain weight. Yeah, maybe you'll feel like a little bit better, but in truth, you're feeling better because of the journey to getting there, probably because you were working out a little bit more, because you were more aware of your health and wellness. I mean, there's a lot of people though who get to that set point and they're miserable because they've yeah. created so much restriction in their life. They're so much focus on specifically that weight on the scale. So it, this is a complicated conversation, but yeah, I've absolutely had all of those thoughts that you said at the beginning. <laughs> yes. And I'm, I'm so curious because, you know, it's kind of easy to talk about like these ideas of like self-love and loving yourself from the inside out. And I, when I am in a place where I'm feeling like insecure about my body or I see a wellness industry that's like pretty much designed for rich white women doing Pilates all day long mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that really doesn't have much space for like people of lower economic statuses or, or even people of color. And so how do we I begin to identify, like, let's make this practical. And also like, how do we do this for free or without like going on like a $5,000 like wellness retreat, you know, <laughs> like what does it actually look like? to learn to love myself, to identify, I know you call them like limiting beliefs. I call them fear narratives. There's so many different, there's so many different ways that we can identify those limiting self-talk, whatever. How do we actually walk this out? I think one of the things that I really started to define a couple of years ago was what the heck does self-love even mean because it was starting to pop up everywhere. I knew that I believed in it, but I was like, I need an actual way to define this because it sounds so fluffy. And what I was just supposed to like stand in front of a mirror and repeat, I love you a bunch of times until this feeling arrives. And so I started to look at love in general. When you think about a loving relationship with a long-term partner, That love, in order for it to grow, requires effort. It requires nourishment. It requires you paying attention to the other person, learning what they love, learning how to notice when they're feeling a little bit down and what to do to help them, you know, feel better in themselves. You invest time and energy into getting to know that person and finding ways to love them. Self-love is very similar. In my opinion, self-love isn't a feeling. Self-love is a verb. It's an action word. It's an action that we take to show ourselves love. Mm -hmm. So the first step in self-love is getting to know yourself, is starting to understand what makes you thrive, what works for your specific body, what makes your soul light on fire. What gets, what kind of vision gets you excited about your life? So the first step in self-love is actually going inward and getting to know yourself. The mm-hmm. second step of self-love, as far as I'm concerned, is honoring that individual. Once you know yourself, can you give yourself compassion for the woman that you are? And can you start to make choices that are aligned with what that woman needs? So for example, let's just talk about food for a second here. So many women are on diets or they're looking to that blog post to tell them exactly what they should eat or how many macros or I'm going to intermittent fast right now. They've completely cut off from their body and their body's innate signals that we've had since we were born that tell us when we are hungry and when we are full. And when we start to tune back into these hunger and fullness signals, 
we can determine when our body needs food and when our body is full of food. Now, for some of you think listening right now, you're like, no, this is, I can never do that. I don't know when I'm hungry. I don't know when I'm full, but you do know you've just forgotten because you've disconnected from your body for so long. So when we're acting from a place of self-love, we start to listen to those signals. When we're acting from a place of self-love, we start to notice, do I recharge when I'm alone or do I feel more recharged after I've been with a group of people? Everyone can ask themselves who's listening that right now. How do you recharge? How, when, how do you get your energy? So for me, I recharge when I'm by myself. I love being with people and I love hanging out with my friends. But I, I noticed, especially on like group girls trips, by the end of it, I felt so depleted because I hadn't had any of my own space to recharge. Doesn't mean I didn't have fun. Doesn't mean I, I don't want to do it. But I have to find some quiet space for myself in those moments. There's nothing wrong with me. This is where practicing self-compassion. None of my other friends in this one group that goes on girls trips require that for themselves, but I do. And that's okay. And I can give it to myself. And that allows me to show up as my best self. Self-love is learning when it's time to say no and actually practicing that. It's recognizing that when you're in a down space, sometimes we can give ourselves a moment to just feel the feelings. But then what are the activities that help lift me up and energize me again? What's my baseline foundation for starting the day? What's my morning routine that I know is going to help pick me up again and make me feel my best self? And then actually doing those things. As we align with ourselves and as our habits and actions keep coming back to this, a feeling of self-love starts to appear. Most people make the mistake of waiting for that feeling of self-love to start acting like they love themselves, like they feel down and so they can't get themselves up to go do the movement or to make the healthy nourishing food choice. Or for some people who are restrictors here to like eat the darn piece of chocolate cake. Um, they are waiting to wake up one day feeling inspired. And my message to you is start acting like you love yourself now. Act like you love yourself now in small ways that you know are going to lift you up. And one day you'll wake up and be amazed that that feeling of self-love is there too. 2020 is in full swing and I don't know about you, but I am here for it. I'm also here human to human to ask you for support. Help me friend to help you. The Refine Collective podcast is one of my most favorite projects that I have ever worked on in my career, but it is definitely a labor of love. We have quite a bit of hard cost each month from software and subscription services to my team who edit and produce the episodes to licensing music and running logistics for all things Refined Collective. Now, because of that, I want to invite you, yes, you, to join our Patreon community. Patreon is this incredible platform that helps listeners financially support their favorite podcasts. You can support the Refined Collective podcast for as little as $5 a month. And we made a bunch of fun different tiers that are jam-packed with free goodies and VIP access to our newest content. And you will be notified before anyone else about our upcoming live events. I'll also be going to you first to find out what questions you want answered and what topics you want covered moving forward. 
So in the midst of a wild year, I want to ask you, friend, if you'd be willing to link arms with my team and me and sharing some of the load and helping make the Refine Collective podcast the best it can possibly be. So if you want to learn more or sign up today, head on over to patreon.com slash the Refine Collective. Again, that's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash the Refine Collective. Thank you so, so much for being a part of this community. I think that's so powerful, Aaron, because as you're sitting here talking about this, like, I'm just thinking about how much I don't like feeling uncomfortable or I dread discomfort. Mm. I just want to I just want to feel good and I think that so resonates with with our culture, right? Like we're instant gratification. Like I want what I want when I want it. I have we have an app for everything. We want the <laughs> hacks and the quick fixes from like how to get rich overnight to like, is keto diet really a thing? Like we're always looking for those quick fixes when actually so much of it comes down to pausing. Like you're saying, I love that. Get to know yourself and then just start making steps towards that thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I think we all want this like big monumental moment and then the thing will be easy. Um, but I just am not sure that like life is, life is promised to us as easy. I think it can be filled with ease, but it might not. It it might not ever feel fun or easy for someone to wake up at six a.m. and be like, "I <laughs> I'm waking up at six a.m. because this is the only time I have space in my schedule to work out." But yeah. after I've gotten to know myself and given myself compassion and listened to my body, I've developed a routine that I am now implementing because I choose to love myself. Mm-hmm. And then the feelings come after, like the discipline. Um, but I think. I don't know what you think. It seems like in our culture today, we've like really lost this like real sense of discipline and leaning into the discomfort. Cause I just want the moment where it's like, oh my gosh, yes. Like I, I just, I want to do it cause it feels good. And I, I used to have an eating disorder in college and in my twenties. And because I was so restrictive for so long, once I finally found healing from the eating disorder that I had, one of the most freeing things I did was for a whole year, I just decided if I want a cookie, I'm going to eat a cookie. Mm -hmm. And if I want to have that donut, I'm going to have the donut. And that was a really healthy season for me to be in for a long time because I realized, oh my gosh, like I can handle having a donut without going into like a binge crazy experience. Yeah. But then in the last few years, I got to another place where I was having really hard health issues and that sort of lifestyle wasn't serving me anymore. Granted, I just talked about eating like eight, eight <laughs> Oreo cookies. Yeah, but it's this. not about being perfect. Um, it's not about being perfect. Right. But getting to another place in the journey where it was like, okay, actually like practicing some restriction from a place of wholeness is really me loving myself well. Mm. Um, I may not feel like going to the gym right now, or I may not feel like having veggies, but I know that like this is really honoring myself. So 
I feel really inspired by the whole like act like you love yourself now, like do it and then you'll feel it. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. And what remember, do you think about all that? As as, remember, like, doing it before you're feeling it. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, I think you, you just nailed it on the head. It's, that's exactly, that's exactly what I'm hoping that people take from this. I want you to remember though, that in loving yourself, there is room to have four Oreo cookies one day, that there is room to choose to sleep rather than to hustle, that that there is this culture right now, if I want it all so fast, sleep four hours a night, like push yourself, gym every morning. And I think that there's a time and place like, oh my gosh, there have been months where hustle life is my life right now with two kids and trying to grow a business and my husband's an entrepreneur as well. And so, you know, there's, it gets, there's busy seasons, but I'm also at this stage after several burnouts and knowing that I'm somebody who's more anxious, I'm also for me, practicing self-love is not always having super rigid, uh, controlled, discipline in every area. It's tuning in daily to my body to see where I'm at day to day. And so that is an act of self-love that allows me to thrive, to not burn out, to not become this like uptight, super restrictive version of Aaron. So self-love and what and and the actions that are attributed to that are going to be different for different people. There are some people out there who are listening to this and thinking, oh, perfect. I don't have to go for the workout. I'll just continue watching Netflix for six hours a night mm-hmm. and disconnecting and numbing out from everyone. That's not a form of self-love. That is a form of numbing yourself out. So this whole conversation starts by having a lot of self-awareness and really understanding what works for you as an individual, which contradicts a lot of the information that we get in health and wellness, which says, you know, this expert knows exactly what you need to be doing to be healthy. And this food is going to solve all of your problems. Like kale is the answer and blue algae is the answer and like all the different things that we hear. It's not that those things are bad, but you have to be in tune with your body enough to know if it is working for you or if it's not working for you. And I know you have some like really practical, like key principles, key ways to really help women like get back on the same team with their body. And even what you said a few minutes ago resonated so much. We become so disconnected from ourselves. We don't even know, like, am I hungry right now? Or sometimes (laughs) I'll wake up and I'll be like, why am I eating breakfast right now? Am I really hungry? Or I just, I'm like, I wake up and I eat breakfast. Yes. Yes. So do you have any just practical things to kind of close this out to get, get women back on the same team with their body? Yeah. I'll share three to leave you with, I think more than that is like, we'll focus on my three key ones. So the first one is to really start listening to your body. Stop listening to all these experts for a second and just practice tuning into your body. Maybe try this this week. I want you to notice if you can tune into your hunger and fullness signals. That's a, a great one or a great place to start. Before you eat, ask yourself, am I noticing any physical signs of hunger? So hunger, physical hunger, when our body needs food, um, it's a physical sign. It's not an emotional sign. It's actually something that you'll feel in your body. You might start getting foggy thinking. You might feel a bit more tired. You notice your body slouching over in your desk. You actually feel stomach pain or growling. Um, These are all signs that you're starting to get hungry and that your body needs fuel and food. If those aren't present, 
you can ask yourself, what am I hungry for that can't be solved in the fridge? What am I hungry for that can't be solved in the fridge? Are you craving connection? Are you tired and you need a nap? Are you needing more creativity or an outlet? Do you need to decompress? Are you feeling stressed? What are you craving right now that can't be solved in the fridge? Can you address that with something other than food? Start listening to your body if it is tired. <laughs> can you, uh, and it, say it's the middle of the workday, can you pop outside for some fresh air? Can you do a little meditation? Can you please take a 20-minute nap if that's a possibility for you? What do we normally do rather than listening to our body? We drink an extra coffee. We go and get some carbs or some sugar to give us that boost. But what if you started to actually listen to what your body needs? Before you decide what workout you're going to do in the day, can you tune in and just ask yourself, what does my body need today? Am I craving like a run in the fresh air? Do I want a spin class with loud music to pump me up? Or do I just need a gentle, like warm yoga class to allow me to ground down and sink in? Do that. As we start to work with our body, you'll notice that your weight starts to land at what I call the happy weight, where it just feels easy to maintain it. And you'll, you'll notice anxiety decreases. You'll notice you just feel happier and like you're not having to force yourself to do things because you're actually tuned into what it is that you're craving. So the first one, listening to your body. The second one is mastering your mindset. We have to dive in and examine the thoughts that you're having. Are they thoughts that are empowering you or are they limiting beliefs that are holding you back? I talked about one of my limiting beliefs and how I'm starting to work through it. Oftentimes we have to do the opposite of what that limiting belief is telling you to kind of crack it open and bust it open. It's super scary, hard work, but it is so worth it. All the best stuff I found is on the other side of my limiting beliefs. The belief that, you know, I couldn't be in that photograph without makeup, photo editing or filters, let alone share it on social media for everyone to see. And I did it anyways, or I couldn't, you know, do this, or I couldn't show up in that relationship, or I could never do that interview. Or I couldn't launch a podcast. It's literally learning how to put that voice that limiting belief in the back seat of the car of your life so that it's no longer driving. It no longer has the hands on the steering wheel. Yeah. And haven't you found, you know, I don't want to get like too woo-woo here, mm-hmm. um, but I love Jesus and I love me so woo-woo. Yeah. Um, I've noticed with myself that I create my reality a lot of times. So when I'm agreeing with fear, when I'm like, oh my gosh, like this date's going to be awful. Like it's it's just another online date or, oh my gosh, like I'm just going to feel so tired all day. Like I'm so exhausted. I feel so fatigued right now. (laughs) Then it's like all those things are coming true. And one of my uh, coaches and friends, Carmina Becerra, she always challenges me. She's like, She's, I say all of my whole, my, my big narrative of how whatever is not going to work out. And she goes, okay, or not. <laughs> like, that also could I not happen. Yes. She's like, you could also go on a date and it could be awesome. Yeah. And she's like, so why focus on the negative so much? Like, what if you just let yourself focus on possibility? And as a person of faith, what I, what I believe about God is like, I believe in the unseen and leaning into faith is leaning into possibility. 
Mm. And so I'm like, oh, I'm like this person of faith. And then I'm like, but dating sucks and I struggle with anxiety and I'm always going to struggle with it. And, you know, I'm just tired all the time. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's interrupt that. Um, let's interrupt that. <laughs> yeah. I think that's so brilliant. And I love how she just says, or not. It's so simple. Yeah. What, uh, I, what I find helpful in regards to flipping those limiting beliefs um, to something more empowering is finding an empowering belief that feels possible. So using that example that you just said, maybe rather than flipping it from this date is going to be awful, it's it's not going to work, it's going to be a time suck and a waste of an hour, maybe it doesn't seem realistic to be like, this is going to be the man of my dreams. I'm probably going to marry this guy or whatnot. Can you find a middle ground that feels authentic and real to you that you truly believe? I'm going to go into this and I'm going to practice my communication skills. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get curious about another human being and I'm going to make a connection tonight. Period. Mm -hmm. End of story. That feels a lot more manageable when you go into a date <laughs> rather than, yeah. you know, setting these insane expectations for yeah. women who are struggling with body image and who are having thoughts like, I'm disgusting, or I wish my tummy didn't look like this, or I'm never going out in a bathing suit, or I hope he doesn't touch me and feel that thing on my body. To flip that thought to, I am a goddess, I am Beyonce, I have like, I am feeling myself, that's not necessarily going to feel authentic right away. So can you meet yourself somewhere halfway? Can you t uh, can you say something like, my body is my greatest tool? My body allows me to experience this life. My body is a conduit to me being able to live out my dream. I am going to treat my body with love today. So meeting yourself where you're at and finding a belief that truly feels authentic to you, I think is so important when we're working on reducing those limiting beliefs. So good. So powerful. Meeting yourself in the middle. Um, all right. What's that last one? So we've got for the first one, listening to your body. Number two, mastering your mindset. And number three is to understand what nourishes you. Understand what energizes you. It's interesting when we talk about you're saying, I feel so tired all of the time. So I would ask you, what are the things that give you energy, Kat? What are the things that light you up and make you feel the most alive? Can you tell me some of those things right now? me. Yeah. Doing these interviews make me okay. feel alive. When I am connecting with women, sharing story, when I'm having authentic conversations, I feel alive. One of the biggest things for me is moving my body. Like mm -hmm. when I am moving my body and sweating, like it doesn't matter if I'm like, I'm in like the pit of despair. If and when I get myself to my yoga mat or like a sweaty boxing class or something. I feel so, I feel so alive. Amazing. Um, yeah. Amazing. And the sun in nature feels super energizing to me, which is a, kind of like the conundrum for me living in New York and something that is like a big battle for me is I feel very called here, but the nature of the city is like not nourishing and energizing to me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, I'm feeling like super drained okay, like I have, like I'm, I'm going to the sunshine next week and it's like, oh, my body, I can tell is just really needing that. Cause I get yeah. super depleted in New York in ways that I don't experience 
and any other place I've ever lived or visited. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I feel, yeah, I feel the same way. Love that city, but yeah, it takes a lot out of some people where some people it would, that energy would just be filling them up and firing them up. So what you can do is actually take a page of on a journal or a blank piece of paper, write high energy list and low energy list. On your high energy list, you're going to put the activities, the foods, the people, um, the environments that really fill you up and fuel you, that make you feel lighter. When we look at high energy foods, that's going to be stuff that doesn't leave you feeling like you've got a headache or gassy or bloating. It doesn't make you feel like you're going to take a nap right after you eat it. Um, You could have something on your high energy list, like two Oreo cookies four Oreo cookies. Maybe on your low energy list, you've got a box of cookies. <laughs> You're like too much, time, too much time in the city, um, not moving my body. When I drink too much coffee, uh, the day after I have a lot of alcohol, you're putting mm. the activities on there that are your energy sucks. The things that seem to make you feel constricted, smaller, more anxious, um, further away from that version of yourself that you want to be. So make that high energy list, make the low energy list, and then start to tune into how your week's shaping up. So for you, Kat, if you had a week where you were sort of alone, doing a lot of photography work, not connecting with women, you didn't get to the gym, I can guarantee by the end of that week and you weren't eating properly, more coffee, less water, you're going to feel like crap. It's a recipe for feeling like a disaster at the end of the week. Literally, if, this is how I feel this week. And I'm like, yeah. this is, yeah, I've, I've eaten pretty poorly this week. I've been by myself a lot this week. Yes. So life is <laughs> like, not over. Yeah. You just aren't, you just haven't yeah. had space for your high energy activities. Yeah. You're depleted. Your energy levels are meh. So yeah. you can simply then, when you get to that space, head on over to your high energy list because this is life. You guys, we're not, it's not every week is going to be only full of yoga and green juice and the perfect two Oreo cookies and one glass of wine and five pod. Like that's not life. But what we can start to do is get control of our energy levels by creating some balance. So you had a rough week. So make sure that next week we're incorporating more of the high energy activities and you'll find by the end of next week that things are feeling a lot brighter. That's so good. Girl, this is so good and so practical. And I am actually headed to a cycle class after this and I'm going to on the subway, write in my journal, like high energy, low energy. I love um, it. So good. Erin, well, thank you so much for your time and sharing your story and just really practical insight. Like I feel like girls, whoever is listening to this, like pause, rewind, write down notes and, and get this stuff activated. Cause I feel like for me, it's so easy to just be like, Oh, I listened to that podcast. And then, you know, you don't even remember it by the next day. Yeah, um, totally. <laughs> I don't remember it by the next day, but like really taking this and like activating it in our lives. Um, I, know I would I love it if people who are listening could do a quick high energy, low energy list. It doesn't have to be perfect. And then share it on Instagram and tag Kat and I in it. I will regram your journals and respond back. I love seeing people doing this work and actually showing up and showing up for themselves. So please, please, please share it. Tag at Raw Beauty Talks and obviously obviously take cat in it as well. Awesome. Well, Erin, where can we find you? Where can we get connected with you and keep up with all your awesomeness? 
Oh, well, you can head on over to our website at rawbeauty.co. You can find us on Instagram at rawbeautytalks. And we also have a podcast, which Kat will be joining me on very shortly. Uh, the interview, as she said, was supposed to be today. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, and that podcast is available on all platforms. It's called at Raw Beauty Talks. We take you behind the scenes of wellness gurus and influencers to talk about what beauty, health, and wellness really look like in today's world behind the highlight reel. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. If you are new here, maybe you've listened for a long time and there's topics, questions, comments, concerns that you have about what we're up to, follow us on Instagram, the Refined Woman. Send me a DM and I will get back to you and let me know what you want to hear about. Let me know what you want to talk about. And I would love to make that happen for you. Have such a fabulous day. (laughs) Bye.